Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation Layers Chart and Summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David, and in this video, I'm going to talk about the conquerors of the first seal. And when I explain the seal judgments and how they led to the decline of the Roman Empire, and the trumpet judgments, which led to its fall, the question arises about why the first seal is doesn't really seem like a judgment. So in other words, the other ones are pointing to blood and famine and pestilence and fire and hail and just all sorts of things. And those seem like judgments. But the first one is different. So this video is going to answer that question to see how the first seal sets up the narrative. It sets up the historical battle that takes place from the first century until Messiah's return. So let's start there at the end. Revelation 19, 11 to 12 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. So Messiah is seen as winning the victory over the enemy. So now compare that to the first seal. And it says, And I saw... And behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now let's go back to when John wrote down the vision. And Messiah proclaimed in the first three verses, this gives us our perspective, and he wrote in the first three verses, that these things which must shortly come to pass, and for the time is at hand. So those are the key parts of the first three verses. So Messiah is telling you that the prophecies would start to begin shortly after they were written down and the time was at hand for them to begin. And shortly afterward, Roman Emperor Domitian died in 96 AD. Now, some people say John wrote Revelation in 95. Others say it was earlier. But the point is, is that shortly after it was written, this emperor died and he had led it since 81 AD. And then something without precedent happened. And through the series of videos in my book, I want you to see that Messiah didn't just foretell what would happen to his saints, and he didn't just talk about the enemy of his saints. He foretold events which impacted the world. And I showed some of this in my Messiah Foretold World Events video. In this case, the significant event was that an emperor was selected who was not of Roman descent. Nerva was selected on the merit of his ability. And this is significant because it provides us the context of the bow of the first seal. Nerva and the four emperors who followed him were descendants of the Isle of Crete, who were famous bowmen. Alexander the Great was never without a large company of Cretan archers, and they were used by Roman armies during the time of Julius Caesar. Nerva only reigned from 96 to 98 AD, and then the next Cretan emperor, Trajan, was given power, and he reigned from 98 to 117 AD. During Trajan's reign, the Roman Empire ascended to its height of power when they were conquering nations and having many victory parades. 
During the victory parades, the emperor rode on a white horse and wore a laurel wreath crown. So now look at the verse again. It says, And I saw, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on them had a bow. So he's a Cretan emperor, right? There's your bow. A crown was given to him, the laurel wreath crown, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Messiah is pointing to Trajan. He's pointing to this time in the Roman Empire where they were conquering, they were having victory parades. So we see the white horse symbolizes victory. The bow relates to the Cretan Emperor Trajan, who wore the victory crown. So there are other Cretan emperors, Hadrian, Antoninus, Pius, and Marcus Aurelius. And here's a Roman coin of Emperor Hadrian wearing a laurel wreath crown and riding a horse. So he's showing you. They rode in victory parades. He's showing you the fulfillment of the first seal. It's right there on a coin, which I love. So we see that the fulfillment of the first seal took place shortly after John was given the revelation vision, just like Messiah proclaimed that they would take place shortly, that the time was at hand. But there's more to the story because another kingdom was also going forth and conquering at the same time in the same domain. The early church saints saw that the first seal is pointing to Messiah's kingdom expanding greatly across the Roman Empire. So let's look at what Daniel 2.44 proclaimed about Messiah setting up his father's kingdom. And it says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So it says that the kingdom is set up during the days of the four beast kingdoms. And Daniel described four beast kingdoms of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. So he set it up in the days. And obviously Messiah's first advent was in the first century and the Roman beast kingdom was in power. It doesn't say that his father's kingdom is set up after the fourth beast kingdom. He set it up in the first century during the Roman beast kingdom. So let me be clear. Because people will jump to a conclusion. I am not saying the Messiah returned in the first century. I'm showing how Messiah set up his father's kingdom, which has grown into a great mountain of people ever since. Messiah repeatedly said that the kingdom of God is at hand. He told you it's at hand. It's here. So he's not saying it's going to be set up at the end of time. He's saying it's here, right here, right now. I'm setting it up. And we'll see the desolation of Jerusalem and the temple and the Jewish nation in the first century was a profound event as it led to Messiah's kingdom being established. Physical Jerusalem was desolated in 70 AD, and Holy Jerusalem, the Ecclesia of Messiah, the saints, his church, was set up. The physical temple was destroyed with not one stone left on another, and Messiah set up the true temple in which the Father dwells. Right? That's what Ephesians is pointing to, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So the temple of the New Testament and Revelation is not a physical temple. Okay? It is the temple, it's the body of Messiah, it's his saints, it's his ecclesia. So, so the physical temple is desolated, now we have the true temple set up. Physical priest system was removed from power in 70 AD. 
and Messiah is now our high priest who established his saints as his priest. All right, so First Peter gives us the narrative. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disavowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. The, the foundation of Messiah's church, the foundation of Messiah's kingdom was Jews. And of course, the gospel got preached to the Gentiles, and so it's set up with them too. So it's Jews and Gentiles. So the whole holy priesthood, the temple, the priest of Messiah's kingdom is made up of Jews and Gentiles. I cover this in detail in my The Olivet Discourse Decoded book. And the events that took place in the first century are profound. And it's a grand shame that today's pastors don't teach the glorious truth about it. So now we see that Messiah has set up his father's kingdom in the first century. And that his ecclesia, his saints, spread out in the Roman Empire preaching the gospel. So let's look at the narrative again. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Messiah went forth in victory through his saints, by the power of the Father's Spirit, to wage war against the enemy and redeem souls for the kingdom. Satan fought back and caused the Roman emperors to persecute the saints, but killing them was not a victory. For Messiah proclaims in Revelation 12, 11, which is about the Roman emperor-led Roman beast kingdom, it says, and they overcame him. They got victory. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. The word overcame in Strong's Greek dictionary is nakao, which is where my name comes from. It means to subdue, to conquer, to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. So when these saints were killed, they were winning the victory. They weren't defeated when they were killed. They were winning the victory. So Messiah's Ecclesia was conquering. They were gaining the victory for the kingdom. Persecution only fanned the flames and Messiah's Ecclesia grew even faster by the power of the Spirit. So when you see the vision of the saints riding on white horses in Revelation 19.14, it's pointing to them gaining the victory over the enemy. That's what the white horse is representing. So we see that in the first seal. There's Messiah's Ecclesia riding on white horses throughout the Roman Empire, proclaiming the gospel, winning the victory. The early church saints interpreted the first seal with Messiah going forth on his mission to conquer the enemy, Satan, and his Roman beast kingdom. By preaching the gospel through his army of saints, Messiah's Ecclesia is the set-apart ones who advanced the Father's kingdom. Since then, Messiah's kingdom has become a large mountain, a great nation, and someday he will return for his kingdom saints. The battle between good and evil, Messiah and Satan, the saints of holy Jerusalem versus the leaders of the great city of Rome, begins in the first seal. Two kingdoms are going forth and conquering at this time. The Satan-empowered Roman beast kingdom and Messiah's spirit-filled assembly of saints. And the narrative of Revelation is their historical battle, as Satan used the leaders of the Roman beast kingdom to fight against Messiah and his saints. Interestingly, in Roman mythology, Cupid is the son of Venus, the goddess of love and beauty, 
and he is known as the god of affection. Legend has it that Cupid shoots magical gold-tip arrows at gods and humans alike, and by piercing their heart with an arrow, he causes individuals to fall deeply in love. The Roman beast kingdom conquers by force using the strength of iron. Amazingly, Messiah's kingdom conquers with a bow, shooting arrows of the gospel of love to cause people to fall in love with the Heavenly Father and His beloved Son. And you can think that's sappy or whatever, but I look at it and I go, wow, that's really what it is. I mean, it's the gospel of love. We're preaching the gospel of love, of the Heavenly Father loving you so much that He sent His beloved Son for you to redeem you into the kingdom. And I love that narrative, and I love the battle which has taken place. So, Revelation is the historical battle between the Satan-empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom, the pagan Roman emperors, the Antichrist beast popes, and the false prophet Jesuit superior generals fighting against Messiah and his saints. It's the historical narrative of the great city, the Roman beast kingdom, warring against holy Jerusalem the Ecclesia of Messiah, the saints. That's the narrative. So we see how the historical narrative of Revelation is set up in the first seal. And it's hard to comprehend Revelation when you don't understand how it begins. And of course, that's the fallacy of futurism. It assigns it all to the future. So you're not seeing the glory. I mean, what glory is there in this message? Not because of me, but because of the truth. What glory is there? (laughs) You have two different kingdoms going out, one empowered by Satan, one empowered by Messiah, going out and conquering in the Roman Empire, and then that spread throughout the world. That That is the epic battle of the apocalyptic vision in Revelation. That's what sets the whole thing up. It's an amazing narrative. But sadly, my pastors never told me any of this. So I'm opening your eyes to see what Revelation is really showing us so that we can see the grand fulfillment Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.